side of the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 425. This is Andrew with you once again, back for the easy listening hour here on the NLSC Podcast, just because I know Nate enjoys my accent so much. But uh, yes, if you don't enjoy an Australian accent, I can bring in a New England one, because my co-host is Derek, aka Diva3. I'm happy to be here again, as always. And I'm even happier, because our friend Ken, aka Stildo33, is on the show with us this week, which gives him the perfect opportunity to tell our audience how Mitch Richmond may have changed his basketball gaming life forever. Wow, I don't even know what to say. Thank you for uh, having me back, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, boy, you're just digging in deep with the Mitch Richmond right away, aren't you? The trash talk, it doesn't just because we're recording. <laughs> no, and it shouldn't either. So... Yeah, there's some, there's definitely some epic battles we've had here recently that would have been fun to have on audio. Being mic'd up, it's 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 incredibly tempting. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think it would ruin um, the consistency of the game highlight videos. And, and what we're talking about, just for so our audience knows, is the '94 '95 season that Ken and I are playing on NBA 2K19 using the amazing '94 '95 roster mod. Yes, and it's been an absolute uh, blast. It is, uh, I think I texted you yesterday or the day before that this for me has been just nostalgia at a absolute peak. Um, almost like It's like being a kid again. And I, I mean, you and I talk about it all the time, but it's Parsec. Parsec has enabled us to do things that weren't possible, you know, a couple of years ago. And We've been able, you know, you've been hosting the tournaments. We, you've been playing with other people. I've played some older games with a, a handful of people as well, too. And just the technology that's out there today. And let's be honest, Parsec, if you, if you have a good internet connection, is, is frankly better than most of the game servers, uh, at least from our experiences. Even uh, even if you don't have a good connection, like me, it's actually pretty good. So that's the, the best I can say about Parsec is <laughs> that's how well it works, you know. I've hosted, I've hosted, you know, uh, it's it's not as good as when uh, Derek hosts because, again, relying on my upload speed of uh, here in Australia, but playing with Derek, um, a lot of games work in- incredibly well. And, and even some of the ones that I've hosted have still been pretty playable when we haven't had those lag spikes. Yeah, I think um, as far as like input lag and whatnot, even when I do connect with Andrew, who has some of the worst internet or maybe the worst internet I've ever seen um but but by by international standards by australian standards it's actually good which is sad but by international standards yes yes go on what what you do have going for you is the the calming australian voice but you so you have that that is absolutely Uh, correct yes (laughs) yes exactly um but even when you know when we connect on games like nba live 2000 or nba live 2004 um some of the older titles it is more than playable and we've had some great games head-to-head and co-op um you know, with you hosting. And I never go into one of those sessions being like, oh, I'm going to be at a huge disadvantage or I'm, you know, not going to have a good time or I'd have be having a better time if I was hosting. Um, it works good enough for me to just enjoy myself. And I remember we, we connected, you and I, on NBA 2K21, if you remember right, using the servers. And we played a game Bulls versus Celtics. It works absolutely no worse than that really, even with you hosting. So, yeah, Parsec is absolutely amazing. The season with Ken, I got to tell you, there's been some intense moments. There's been some learning opportunities, some lessons in it. Um, The 
competitive nature of playing against another human on a basketball video game is almost unmatched. Like playing against the computer, Ken will tell you, because he hasn't been able, you know, in the past before Parsec, he wasn't playing against another human. He was playing against the computer. It's just 10 times better and 10 times more competitive when you're playing against another human as opposed to the computer. Yeah, I totally agree. There is a lot more strategy that has been implemented really by both of us from game to game. Well, first of all, let me just say this now. Derek is by far a better player at 2K19 than I am at this point. And part of that is, you, you know, I'm used to playing a computer, not used to playing a human. And your strategy changes, you know, when you're playing against a person. You know, like, for example, I don't turn on a full court press against Derek because he's going to blow right by it. Whereas against the computer, you can kind of anticipate where they're going to pass. They're pretty consistent with it. They may adapt some, but you know you can get easy steals that way and take advantage of some of the, the computer cheese. But the other biggest thing is just you learn the ability and skill that another human brings and learn what you can do well, but you also learn what you cannot do well. And so when we open up the podcast today, you know, you know Mitch Richmond is going to be really good. You know that's the guy you got to stop against the Kings. But Derek just take, took him like to a whole new level and just absolutely torched me with a really good Orlando Magic team. And I was just sitting there that whole time. I think I was texting him in the middle of this going, this is just really frustrating and stupid that I can't stop one person. And that's where like the strategy comes in, right? Because how many times, Derek, have we played out of habit? I'm running down to double team in the post and then you kick it out to somebody wide open for a three, whereas the computer will do that some, but not always. Yeah. So, I, uh, I text 10, I text 10 too. And I'm like, man, you got to stop the double teams. Like I'm trying to help him <laughs> while he's playing against him. Like you're running around with Penny zooming around the court, but you're leaving shooters like, like wide open. Um, the difference is in one of the best things, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I did play really well with Mitch Richmond. But one of the best things about this season, and Andrew brought this up on one of the past podcasts, he, he stated that one of the fun things is both of us using the same team against each other and seeing how we perform with that team and those players. For example, like Ken use the Kings versus me before this game. And you went 13 for 39 with Mitch Richmond. Yep. Um, I used the Kings after, and I performed pretty much differently with every player on that Kings team. And we, we talked about one of the things that and I need to work on some stuff, too. I need to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, I feel like I still need to get a little bit better with Sean Kemp in the post. Um, etc. But one of the things that, and I wanted you to discuss this too on, on the show, one of the things that you need to work on because you didn't really have to do it when you were playing against the computer is your one-on-one -on -one capabilities with the, with the dribble. And then also when you have your dribble picked up. So I wanted you to actually discuss that if you, if you can. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So for people that may not be totally aware of this, I wasn't. Um, just lack of too much playing against, or just a component of playing too much against the computer and not realizing what the game is capable of, you know, which I know we'll talk about that a little bit more later, is if you pick up a game like 2K19, you don't, or sorry, 2K18, you don't need a one-on-one -on -one move. All you have to do is hit the turbo button and go to the basket. But 
on, you know, 17, 20, 19, any of these, you really have to be proficient at learning these one-on-one moves to take your game to the next level. So if you watch any of my highlights, I feel like I'm really good in the post with even mediocre players, which probably drives Derek nuts. Who was the last game that I just... Well, I was so I was just with the something else. Still, yeah, still though was excellent in the post with even the worst players. I got killed by Eric Riley and Elmore Spencer last game um, with me using the Supersonics, who shouldn't be the worst in, in interior defense. That's definitely not something that you need to work on. You're very, very good in the post. Yeah. And that's something I just, by default, because I didn't know how to do one-on-one moves on the wing, you know, with, you know, from a stance or on the dribble, I just learned how to do that. But I, I've never learned, and I just stuck with it because it worked, but I never learned how to do stuff with, you know, other guys. So, for example, it would be, you know, we're playing a game and I've got Nick Anderson. And I think one game I was getting real frustrated because you would take a guy like Nick Anderson and drop 25 points. And I would take a guy like Nick Anderson, and the only way he's dropping 25 points is if it's a breakaway dunk or wide-open three-pointers and he starts hitting. But the way you're scoring, so like how you use Kendall Gill, for example, is what I'm trying to learn to do. And you'll be on the sideline, one-on-one situation, and you are just smoking people. You'll get to the basket and get a rim. Or you know, you'll get to the you'll sorry, you'll get to the basket and get a dunk. Um, you'll I'll cut that off, but next thing you know, you're taking a step back and shooting a wide open, you know, eighteen footer and draining it, just like a real NBA player would. And after we've played five or six games, you know, you and I start having a conversation and it's just like, what is it you're doing different that I'm not? And it was quick for you to point out, you're like, you don't know how to use the sticks at all. <laughs> so yeah, Ken, uh, I'll let you finish that, but I'll just let you know that um, Ken and I are brutally honest with each other and sometimes to a fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he would come at me probably the exact same way. But yeah, I was I said to him, I was like, you have no idea what you're doing with the right stick. Um, but go, go ahead, I'll let you finish. Well, so this is maybe, you know, four or five games in, you kind of make that comment. And I'm like, well, what does he mean? So I'm like, all right, I'll start using the stick. Well, I start using the stick. And like Penny's coming down the court and like dribbling it off his foot, literally, or dribbling it off the guy. He's practically handing the ball off uh, to the defender. And, you know, so now I'm doing it with other players. I'm like, you know, and then you would come down and just totally smoke me. I'm like, I'm, I swear I'm not doing anything different. So a couple more games go by. You're, you're poking fun of me. And I think it was when we talked after one, you're like, you, you look like whatever player you have has ADD with the ball. You're just like <laughs> spamming the joystick up, down, left, right, turbo, no turbo. And I, and I was, I was all over the place because we, we got in like a one-on-one session, like the, like the freestyle. And I was showing you what I was doing. And after you stopped laughing, um, you were at least helpful and <laughs> said, all right, this is what you need to work on. Try these couple of moves and here's how you do them. And here's why I'm able to get by you in these one-on-one situations and you're not. Then it all clicked. Now I've realized I'm like five or six years behind on my ability to actually play this game, which I think it bothers me a little bit more because I didn't realize how far behind I actually was. And I'll give you an example. In 2K14, um, one of my favorite teams is always to play, you know, with like these, you know, these old Celtics teams. So you go take like a Paul Pierce and he, you know, you know, stop and pop top of the key, can make jumpers with guys hanging all over him, do spin moves and score. And it was easy. And I was frustrated in some of these more recent games because I, I couldn't score with him unless I was posting up. 
or he had a wide open shot. And I always thought maybe it was the sliding settings. And those do have, you know, which we'll talk about, those can impact things. But really, it's just come down to, I don't know how to play the game the way I thought I did. So it's very, very humbling and a little frustrating at the same time because it's just a video game. And I've been doing this for 30 years. I should be able to do this really easily. And it's been a challenge. So Ken's had uh, a couple hours of practice every day for the last you know four or five days here trying to get better. And I started sending Derek highlights. Hey, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And uh, I've actually gotten some pretty good responses. So that's been helpful. I think, um, and I'm going to throw this over to Andrew in a second because I have a question for him. I think the Mitch Richmond game is what was needed at that point. Yep. Um, because if I hadn't had that game with Mitch Richmond and I hadn't beat you with the Kings, um, I don't think we would have gone into scrimmage, right? Or nope, practice we and, and done that stuff. We wouldn't have. Um, so I think that was necessary. Um, I wanted to ask Andrew too, um, in listening on this, and then we can talk about the, uh, the sliders. Has there ever been a turning point in a video game for you where you were like, all right, listen, I need to get better at this. Or maybe the computer was whooping your butt and you were like, man, I need to figure this out. I need to get better at it. And then just something clicked. Well, you know, I mean, I got into my career many years ago, which I know uh, that uh, Ken is a big fan of that mode, um, my career. But um, (laughs) one thing that I really uh, learned in that mode was to be assertive with against the cpu and with my cpu teammates because i was basically waiting to get the pass and a big part of being able to get the ball and start putting up stats and getting more uh, respect and and chemistry with your teammates is you need to call for the pass more often so i was just sitting back and trying to be a good little teammate and uh, (laughs) wait for the ball to come to me so no you actually have to know to get that ball in your hands to call for that pass to be in control and to orchestrate things from your player-locked uh, gameplay. Ken, you brought up a great point about the, the way you play. If you play against a CPU, for example, then going into competitive play against uh, other humans, other users, other gamers, whether it's online with online team play or head-to-head, whatever, suddenly all those strategies that work against the CPU, like you said, you can just spam those strategies and the CPU sometimes can wise up to them. If the AI is pretty good, it will adjust. But you can still outsmart it because it is a computer at the end of the day. There are limitations to its artificial intelligence. But a user, another gamer, a human, can make those adjustments. And I certainly found that with playing... Actually, when I went back from my career to, uh, to playing more of Franchise, or indeed playing with Derek on, uh, on Parsec, controlling every player again after being locked to a single player for so long, that was an adjustment. Because I was just used to focusing on who I was locked on and playing that role, either with my other teammates on NLC Thrillho, or with my CPU teammates in my career. And yeah, you actually have to make that uh, that adjustment and realize, oh yes, I'm going to control every player again, which which I grew up doing, but it had been so long that I was very rusty with that. And of course, again, playing against Derek, knowing that, uh, that I couldn't just pull the same tricks that I went against the CPU, and if I wasn't uh, aggressive, if I stuffed around for too long and uh, left the ball open for a steal, he was going to take it. So yeah, you absolutely have to make those adjustments. Yeah, I want to say something yeah. too in relation to that um one of my weaknesses uh too because we're talking um maybe weaknesses and adjustments i think and i've talked about this on the podcast before um feeling like i have to guard everybody like it's a pride thing for me like i always feel i have to guard the ball uh (laughs) and i will get burned at times when i'm playing against ken like if he's using penny and he's even if he's trying to go in like just like a straight line or even do a slight move um i'm like trying to stick to him 
And a lot of times in order for you to have better defense overall and better balance on defense, you need to let the computer do some of the job. Like you can't be guarding the ball every time because there's not always a situation where it's best for you to guard the ball. So I think that Ken is the opposite of me in that way. And we've talked about this before. Ken's like, you know what? The CPU is going to do its job. I'm just going to stay out of the way. Maybe I'll get into the passing lanes. Maybe I'll cause double teams. Maybe I'll go for the rebound, but I'm not going to force guarding every player. So I know that with Shaq, uh, in one of the games where I think he had 45 points and 18 rebounds and I wanted to throw my phone, uh, <laughs> was it, it was a game where I should have had a little bit better interior defense. And I kept trying to guard Shaq in single coverage because of pride. So that's something that I need to work on. Ken mentioned that there's stuff throughout the season that we're both kind of realizing as we go through it. That's definitely something that um, I'll be working on. Uh, in order to improve my chances of not only beating his team, but continuing staying like undefeated on my end. Um, but yeah, Ken, let's talk real quick about the sliders. And Andrew and I have talked about this before, so I know Andrew's going to want to jump in there at some point as well. But it really has changed the way you view NBA 2K19 overall as a game. And it really is night and day different from like the default sliders. hundred percent. There's, um, I think for no reason other than just habit for probably 15 years, I would force myself probably for pride to just say, Nope, this is how the game was made. I need to learn how to play the game and how they, how they said I should play the game. You know, the manufacturers of the game and to a fault, that's probably made myself miserable and it's easy to go in and adjust some things like, Hey, I'll, I'll tweak the fatigue. So my guys don't tire out as much or man, I should be making more three pointers. I'll, I'll bump it from 50 to 60 or 55 or whatever. And what you and I have found out just learning from you is no, like every game's different. You've got to figure out what is, because our point was, you sh- it's a video game. You should be able to pick this up and enjoy playing it right away and not get frustrated by, you know, for example, players being sucked into the defender just because that's how the game was made. Like, it should feel like a fun basketball game, which I think with the sliders we have now, we both agree on, we've got a really good balance of that and something that we'll have to post on the forum for others to see and get feedback on. But it, it has made this game, I don't want to say like Live 95, but it's pretty stinking fun. And it really has to do with all the slider adjustments we made. You know, we tweaked some ratings of players that needed adjusted along the way, but it's the slider settings. It's made a monumental difference. It feels like a totally different 2K19 game than it was, you know, even a year ago. Right. I think, I think loosening up the action is the most important thing and making things reactive. Um, he made up, Ken came up with a great point. And it's one of his favorite things about the sliders we worked on is in real life, NBA players make contested shots at times and a semi-contested shot in the NBA when an NBA player has blue sky is not really a contested shot, right? Because they literally don't have a hand in their face. There's not a hand over the ball. It's an NBA player shooting a shot. So they should, um, with space. So they should be able to knock that down at times. But if you pick up NBA 2K19 by default and Andrew, I want to throw this over to you. But when you put in on NBA 2K19 by default, the chances of you hitting a semi-contested shot are almost zero. 
even with the shot meter on, even with the lower difficulties, um, l- like the lower difficulty settings, like if you put it on pro, etc. just guys don't only miss those shots like 99% of the time. Oftentimes it's a wild miss, like it goes over the rim or it's a complete brick. That is the most unrealistic thing. And that's this type of stuff that you didn't get in those older titles that Ken loved and like Andrew loved and like I loved. Um, you could hit those guarded shots at times and you should be able to. Um, so what we did was we adjusted the release and gather sliders um, for the shooting. And what happened was is there, it's not overpowering, but at least your guys now can hit when a guy does a closeout. Or there's a, or you have two or three feet of space and his arm is just out, but he's not doing like a true hard contest. You can actually hit those shots now. Um, so that was one of the biggest adjustments that we made. Um, Andrew, out of the box, NBA 2K19, what were some of your frustrations? Well, this is the thing. I didn't actually make any slider tweaks in 2K19 because I was playing my career, which, which has no ability to do that. But, but you do notice the same things. Uh, obviously and the other thing is with my career with a player you end up when you because you you're working the meta obviously especially if you're playing online as i was and you end up with so many badges that you it kind of overcomes a lot of those issues with being able to hit contested shots and shots from really long range and whatnot but this speaks to another problem that on top of the tuning you have through the sliders and, and of course in the online scene in my career those that tuning is that is set for you that you throw in those extra elements of, of badges and, and all of a sudden that just throws everything way out of proportion again. And of course, a lot of people, when they make slider adjustments, have to make it for a specific roster, the default or otherwise, because once you start modifying the, the ratings and especially those badges and those boosts that you get, that just throws everything out of whack again. Um, yeah, 2K19, it's been a while since I played it, but I, I do recognize those issues that you were, were talking about. And people say, you know, get good, which is something I like to bring up because it really, really frustrates me. I mention it a lot on the show because of how much of a, a bugbear it is for me, that attitude. But as you said, when, when it doesn't represent proper spacing in the contest uh, scenario, it's not a case of, of get good. That is a, a valid complaint. And if you can fix it with sliders and make it more realistic and balanced, then absolutely go for it. And that's something they should be going for with the default sliders, but... Fortunately, outside of my career at least and my team, uh, we can make those changes. So that's uh, it's great that you've been able to find that and uh, and make that movement a bit freer and uh, and more more enjoyable all over. Right, I think that the game made poorly mechanically by default. You don't just accept that. You can try to fix it, and you definitely have a damn right to like critique it. That's why right? we have sliders. So, I, mean, I mean, why have sliders if we're not supposed to adjust it for our own enjoyment? Right. But like in what you said, too, um, and I'm going to throw this back to Ken, but, you know, like what you said, too, it, it doesn't fix stuff like my career and it doesn't fix stuff like my team because you can't edit sliders in those modes. Right. And online. So yeah. a lot of frustrations. Right. Exactly. So a lot of those frustrations can't even be fixed in the most popular game in those popular game modes. Um, so, Ken, um, I wanted to throw that back to you about the, the shooting contested um, and then also like. We increased the game speed to 60 and we did, we turned body up sensitivity to 10. Like, um, I wanted to throw that back to you too, about the other adjustments that we made that have kind of fixed the gameplay. Yeah, no, that, um, I would say the biggest adjustments we made were the body sensitivity. Cause that one was a, you know, 2K17 plays really well. 
2K18, they, you know, there was some sucking into the bodies. It was probably there in all games, really. But 2K18, it was, you know, the, the opposite problem. And then in 2K19, I thought they brought it back and did a decent job. But, you know, the point you made earlier, you still can't just drive by somebody, even with some of the best players, unless you make some of those tweaks. Which is to the point where I'm like, how the heck is Derek doing this? Because the computer does it to you, right? Well, if the computer can do it to me, why can't I? So, and, and that's, that's where I noticed the, the big difference there. And adjusting a slider like that one uh, makes a big difference. Adjusting that contested shot. You know, just because I'm open for a second and the guy starts to close me out, you know, with Chris Mullen, shouldn't turn into an automatic miss. And that's the problem with the game right out of the box. You're getting closed out with legendary, you know, using a legendary shooter by a terrible defender and you're shooting 20%. I know that should not be acceptable. Like and, the comments on YouTube video, right, Ken? Like the one I sent you. Yeah, yeah, it's those. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody turns in on, on default NBA 2K19. Everybody's like a lockdown. Like I could use, um, I don't know, like Russell Westbrook and have Steven Adams switched out onto me. Actually, they were, I think they were on the same team at that time. So let's use a different player and have Ennis Cantor switched out on to me. And Ennis Cantor is like sticking with me step for step. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, that shouldn't, that's not right. But that's what the, that, that they did like. Never a, when you, did, I think you made a video on 2K, I think it was 2K18 where you had like Wilt Chamberlain and like Russell Westbrook or somebody guarding him. And Chamberlain was able to just blow past everybody and get to the basket. Oh, no, I did. Okay, so on 2K18, I think Andrew probably remembers this because I posted it in the thread. I was Somebody was arguing with me, and they said um, that— That's right. They, they said, well, no, when you do these slider adjustments, you can't do that. So I jacked up all of the defensive sliders, every single one, to um, 100. And I went on the floor with Hassan Whiteside, and I did perimeter drives to the hoop and scored like 60 points in one half. And I was just blowing by everybody with Hassan Whiteside, getting the guy on my hip. And I just kept scoring over and over and over again. And for that half, with Hassan Whiteside driving from the perimeter on 2K18, I think, um, Christ, I want to say I shot like 70 or 80%. Like, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it wasn't even Will Chamberlain. It was Whiteside. There you go. Well, and that's when the game's not even fun because – you want to maybe make that move, but now you know that you can exploit it because the game's giving it to you. So you have to almost mentally tell yourself, hey, I'm only going to do this once or twice and not do it. Otherwise, I'm, I'm kind of cheating the game. Like, I shouldn't be able to cheat the game like that unless I, you know, jack the slide, you know, turn my three-point shooting up to 100. Well, then, yeah, I should make shoot a much higher percentage. But by default, it just, it's almost like they have just accepted that's how the game's going to play, good or bad. And the problem is it carries over into other things that you, where you can't control sliders like my career. So one of the reasons I don't play my career is because of that issue right there, at least on the newer ones. Like, I think it's a fun concept. You know, it's obviously a huge moneymaker. Tons of people play it. I'm definitely in the minority on one that doesn't. But that's part of the reason is I can't tweak anything to my gameplay, even if I wanted to. Now, I've also learned maybe I don't know how to play the game as well as I thought, too, not how to get open and beat people but you know still the fact that you can't tweak some things is also frustrating you know you bring up a great point there about people accepting it and this is something i've seen a lot of and you see it on twitter sometimes and and in the forums and reddit and whatnot 
people complaining about, oh, everyone just wants to nitpick the games. And certainly you can get nitpicky uh, complaints and, and uh, bitching about the games. I mean, that, that is a thing that happens in, uh, in any community. But a lot of people just kind of accept the games the way they are. They don't, or they, first of all, they don't try and fix them with the sliders and just write the game off before even trying to fix it. And of course, there are limitations to what they can do. But other times, people trying to deny those issues. And Derek, you know this very well from that thread that you mentioned, that people were saying, no, this isn't a problem with 2K18. No, it's great. It's an improvement. And give it a, a year or two, and suddenly people are being a bit more honest about it. Some people, not everybody, some people. And I, I, I don't know why people can't be honest about it. Look, you can say, hey, I love basketball games, and I love 2K, and I appreciate the hard work. But here are here is XYZ, the problems you know, down the list, and make valid critique and back it up with uh, evidence and well-reasoned uh, you know, criticism. But some people just don't want to hear it. Well, a couple things I actually want to bring, bring up with in relation to that. A lot of people don't accept it, technically, because they're still frustrated with it. But a lot of people, and I talked to Ken about this too before, a lot of people don't know how to voice what they're having an issue with with the game, right? Mm. Yeah, or they can't pinpoint it. Um, but we've seen like the Steam ratings and the Metacritic ratings and how much they've tanked and all the outrage about you know the, about the game at times. And what do people usually say? What do these kids say? This game is trash. That mode is trash. This is trash. That's garbage. Like they don't expand on what's bothering them, and sometimes they don't know how to put the words together to explain what it is or that maybe they don't even want to take the time to and i think that's one of the biggest problems for example andrew just mentioned artificial boosts how much has that hurt the series andrew 80 different badges now in the game the game is just flooded with artificial boosts that kill skill gap like true skill gap and, and it creates this artificial basketball experience how many people have you seen properly call that out well that if anything they, that, they they like that there's 80 badges like oh wow there's 80 badges now but you look at the actual effects that they have and they're not necessarily good for the game i mean i just wrote a way back wednesday i drafted way back wednesday i should say it'll be going live probably in a, a few weeks about signature skills because i've been playing 2k14 obviously and 13 and 14 had signature skills the precursor to badges and there were five slots in the last gen version of 2k14 and 2k13 in PS4, X1, they upped that to seven slots for signature skills for both my players and uh, and real players alike. And that that gives you a pretty good uh, bonus a boost above, well, kind of the, the signature skills, basically, you know, to use the, the name of the mechanic. It, it gives those players those abilities above and beyond the, the regular ratings, regular attributes, to give them those little boosts here and there, which is what it's supposed to be. It's what badges are supposed to be, but now it's turned into a whole meta and changing the loadouts and whatnot and you can change the skills in those earlier games as well you can swap them in and out but it was definitely uh, a lot different but the boosts weren't as big they they were more reasonable in what you could do you didn't have something like uh, a circus shot badge where you could just spam the uh, well i i say that the acrobat badge was glitched in 2k13 where you could do euro step three and hit it every time so there were problems in old games we should acknowledge that but so many boosts with the badges that that weren't there with signature skills you could only have a maximum of seven, so you couldn't load up with, uh, you couldn't min-max to get 60 to 80 badges to really just max out your uh, your my player with all these kinds of abilities, and and even with the NBA side of things, having uh, going above and beyond of making these players 
not play like their actual selves, especially on the uh, on the retro teams and everything. So yeah, it, it really has changed from. And you can see how signature skills was supposed to be a very sim concept. And now how it's gone to a very gameplay concept. Right. Well, I wanted to bring something up too. You you kind of you mentioned you know well the, the some like it, like. I think that some do like it, but most don't because these are the same people that are going out and complaining about the gameplay and the imbalance of the gameplay, but they're not like truly explaining what they're having an issue with. That's the thing. Oh, and well, that's, that's true. Other, I, I mean, you, you mentioned calling things trash. You mentioned calling things trash and it's garbage, whatever. It's whatever uh, ad hominem, whatever insult du jour it is at the time that they'll bring right. up cartoonish was a big one for a long time they'd say oh nba lives animations are cartoonish and, and so that, this way you can bring up things like huh this belongs on the cartoon network and, th- and all kinds of very unfunny uh barbs uh, attempts at a burn if you will like live 07 i'll refer back to again a lot of people might look at those animations and say oh that's cartoonish but that doesn't tell you what the actual problem is about the stiffness about how there's not enough animations so that when you trigger an animation a dunk animation from too close under the rim too close to the rim it goes into a a dunk that's supposed to be performed from five feet away and you know take off from much further back and awkwardly leaping and jumping and clipping through the backboard and, and going moving backwards again because it doesn't have enough animations that are contextually appropriate now that is the way to critique animation but if i just say those animations are cartoonish or trash I mean, you could call them trash, and I'd understand. But if you just say cartoonish or trash, that doesn't get to the heart of the matter and how to improve that game. Not that, not that you can right. fix 07, but really. But if you were to critique it, if you, and, and that's, I think, a great example of how to critique those animations. If you just call them trash or garbage or whatever, or cartoonish, then that's not getting to the heart of the matter, which is not enough animation variety, too stiff, uh, no, no, not lifelike enough, they don't trigger in contextual ways... If you approach the rim in 07 at the right angle, at the right time, and you get the right animation, it doesn't look great, but it doesn't look as bad as it can possibly be. But if you get the wrong animation at the wrong place, which happens a lot because there's not enough of the animations, contextually appropriate ones, that's when you get the real garbage-looking animations. But just saying they're garbage alone or cartoonish doesn't get to the heart of the matter. Like So like you say, Derek, a lot of people can't express that, uh, that critique properly, and that is a problem. Right, I think, um, and I'm going to throw this over to Ken in a second. I think, I forget which game, I think it was 2K20 or 2K21. The game felt piss poor for first impression, like on the sticks. You had people who were veterans of the series going out on the floor and using a guy like Peja Stoyakovich and shooting like two for 22 because the shooting mechanics were so off on release. I can't remember which game that was, but I remember sharing screenshots on it and they're just missing shots all over the floor that they should be hitting that they feel like they're timing, right. But the mechanics by default in the video game just didn't make sense. We're not user friendly and we're not realistic in any way. So one thing, so I want to get this actually back to Ken, when we're playing this season, we're we're at the point where we're both really looking forward to playing each game. I think you would agree. Like it's not just because it's the 94, 95 season and we have nostalgia, but because now the gameplay is dynamic and enjoyable and everything. Do you think we would be playing this season if we were using default sliders? Oh, there's no way. Not a chance. We would be agree. There'd be no strategy. 
other than we're fighting what the game will allow us to do out of the box. Fighting with the game. Yes, I'm going to let you continue. That's one of the biggest problems is you constantly feel like over the last few releases that you're fighting with the game. I agree. So as an example, let's take Shaq. Shaq is an extremely dominant player in the game, as he was in the 90s. And there are certain things he can do almost unstoppably well. Um, But as you've experienced with some games, like some guys just can't stop the guy um, Mm -hmm. as nobody could. And other guys can at least kind of contain them as they could or slow them down. But on the default settings, like in some ways, Shaq is almost even more dominant if you know how to use them. And that's where in your butt as a defender, then you're fighting against the game because you'll never stop them. And that, you know, that's not realistic either. And, and I think that really hurts. Like, there's no way we would play that then. If you look at your highlights where you're scoring coming in from the sideline and driving and stuff, Half those probably wouldn't happen out of the box, or at least not as frequently, because the computer defender is going to take that away from you. Even though you've earned it, you know how to do it. You're inputting the controller how to do it, but you just that would just be incredibly frustrating. We would have quit. Right, the shots you made for with Chris Mullen in the Warriors game, like you probably would have missed half of those because they would have been considered semi-contested. For sure, hundred percent. Yeah, and we could go on and on with examples like that. And it's just at some point you want to have you want to have a realistic experience, which is what we're really trying to create. But at, at the end of the day, we also want it to come down to we want it to be decided by our skills, not the computer gameplay. You know, if we just wanted the computer to decide it, you know, we wouldn't have, uh, you know, we would use like a real shoot, you know, the real player shooting percentage, not how do we time a release, as an example. And there's some other tweaks like that that we would make. And I think you know part of it is we've had to adjust to how we play the game which of course is right um, because we decided how we're going to do it. But I think just years of experience of making mods and playing these different games, seeing what the games can do and can't do, you know, that experience becomes invaluable because now you're not making it quote unquote trash, recognizing what the problem is and coming up with a realistic solution. And it feels like you're playing an actual basketball game. You know, so you and I both played back in the day and still do for fun and just, we know what the game should look like. We know how it should feel. And if this is a real-life simulation of a game, we know how these players should move and putt and pick and shoot on the court. And we watched all these guys. I think you and I have got that really dialed in now, which is part of the reason it's made it really fun. I told you so I had to play against the Sonics with the Clippers a week or two ago, and it didn't do so well. But then I'm telling you the next game, like I can't wait to play with them again. I know a lot more about that team and the strategy and you know how our settings are this is going to be a fun experience i i don't think i ever played, played with the clippers 30 years ago but it's fun now you battled That's too in that last game we played fun. yeah you battled um and how great has it been to you you've talked to me we talked about this on the phone through text and whatnot how great has it been to play a 94 95 season on a game that came out in 2018. So with updated technology, <laughs> updated graphics, all the correct art looking better than any game could look back then and everything. And for it to play so well, I think you called it your crack, which is fine. That makes perfect sense. Oh. Uh, I think that when you know a mod is great and when gameplay is the way it should be, is when you're playing that mod. And you're like completely lost in the action. Like 
you're so into it that you forget you're playing a mod. You're like, it feels like I'm playing the real 94, 95 season. And I think we yeah. both have had throughout this. Like I've forgotten until I, you know, switch to a modern day team. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. You know, the uniforms are actually, you know, this length today. They're not even this short. Like I've totally forgotten. Our battles have gotten so intense. We had one the other day. We were playing, and I think I had to pause it for like 10 or 15 minutes. Like, hey, sorry, uh, something happened with one of my kids. And, uh, but, it, you know, it's cool. Like, no big deal. We'll pause it. You know, we didn't have the the default server um, thing where if you pause it, you know, for three minutes, the game might kick you out. It was, hey, cool, pause it. If somehow we disconnect, it's still up and going on, on my computer. You'll just reconnect on Parsec, and we'll keep going. But... My point in saying all this is I was so immersed into what was happening trying to beat you. Uh, it took me to realize, to realize, hey, there's, I have another responsibility right now. They need to go attend to that real quick. Um, you know, nothing big or bad happened, just kids fighting. But still made me realize, like, hey, I need to stop what I'm doing and, and, and go focus on that. Um, that's, that's when I feel like we've got a great mod and, you know, a great thing going with what we have in our season. And it'd be cool to see some other people, you know, start something like this as well. Um, which is I finish up the, the 87 roster, uh, may open that up to some people. If we want to do like a, a shortened season and just, you know, a couple people pick a team or we'll just play whatever games available. And, you know, maybe we're skipping the Clippers versus Kings game and, you know, we're playing a, you know, Knicks versus Bulls kind of game. Um, yeah. The opportunities are endless really. Right. We've talked about that. Um, Andrew, uh, Ken came up with a great idea where he was like, you know, we could technically have people from the community and play certain games during our season like technically if we you know him and i are using the magic and supersonics but let's say you wanted to jump in and jordan's come back he's with the bulls and you want to use the bulls versus i don't know just some random team uh the Cavs. like during the season at the end of the season you could technically jump into our season and just play one of the season matchups absolutely yeah now that, that's a very cool idea and again that's very uh community oriented and it would introduce people to Parsec because sometimes I think people are a bit uh, intimidated by some of these, uh, by the the concept of, of setting it all up. And you know, it's uh, and you put out that great tutorial, which is available on the YouTube channel, uh, on our YouTube channel, of course, Derek. But some people, you know, if you're not that technically uh, savvy, that are a bit intimidated by this and oh, how do you host? How do you set it up? You've got all the settings there to help them, but then to jump into a to a, a scenario that's already prepared for them, I think that could be uh, a lot of fun. And, and as for uh, tournaments and whatnot with the mod i mean we're talking about doing the lakers versus celtics uh tournament but there's no reason we couldn't do use these mods to do a retro tournament a retro season tournament on in 2k19 or or whatever or or my 95 96 uh, roster for nba Live 2004 for example cheap plug um that we could c- connect with people and do uh, uh, do a playoffs I mean, could Ken and I even participate in that tournament, considering by the time that tournament's run, him and I are going to have so much practice under our belt? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, you are a two, you are a two time champion, Derek. I mean, you're, you're you are you are the person to beat. Uh, well, you know, but no, I mean, we played like three games the other day. Um, the season's progressing nicely uh, as a result. Um, before I, I had a couple other questions for. For Ken, um, but I want to ask you what your favorite games have been so far on the season. Right now, the Magic with Stildo um, is—he's five and two. I'm six and zero, oh, so the season's progressing nicely. But we've definitely had some good games. What, what are some of your favorite games and performances of the season? You know, I think uh, playing the 
Playing you with that Clippers the last game uh, when you were the Supersonics is actually one of my favorites. I think you even said after the game that was probably the best actual game I had played um, all season. Um, and I think I would agree with that, too. Just you know, you're limited on you know, don't have a dominant Shaq or Penny or Kemp. So you have to take just what the players can give, which that's part of the strategy of all this and, and part of the challenge. You and I have even said, and I've said from day one, like, I'll do better with the Clippers next time because I don't, you know, some of those guys I'm familiar with, but, you know, playing the game, like, it's always a little bit different. The game, um, I really enjoyed playing you against the Bucks. That was a fun one. And then, um, which was the game that Shaq went nuts on? Well, the uh, game that against the Bucks is one of my favorite games because that was, we were lead changing for almost the entire game in that yes, one. That's right. The other one that I think was also really enjoyable was playing with the Celtics against you. And I, yeah, I forget what I won that one by. I think I ended up winning by, uh, I think I beat you by like 30 points. And then um, you beat me by about 25 or 30 in that one too. But it, both of those games felt a lot closer than what the final score indicated. I think it's just because of the variety of players that a team like that Celtics game had. You know, they didn't have a great season that year. But they got Dominique Wilkins. Um, they had Dino Raja. They had someone like Xavier McDaniel, which, of course, I just, I killed him. But I killed you with him. We killed but, each other uh, with the X-Men. Yeah, we killed each <laughs> yeah, other with him. Yeah. He was so good. Yeah. Those have been some of the best ones. That Heat game was really good because you just went nuts with Glenn Rice. I mean, he looked like vintage Glenn Rice in that 95 to 98 stretch where he was just insane. So it's probably more enjoyable for you than me. I'm definitely looking up to some of the, the battles that we have coming up because probably the best team that I think you've used against me so far was probably the Hornets team, but you didn't win with them. That's probably, well, I had the Suns and totally screwed that up the other day. But that's one I should have competed a lot more in and just I got frustrated as that game went on. But that, that was one I'm looking forward to playing with again. But I think, I think using a team that will match up well against each other. So, like, I've got to play you when you're the – you've got to play me with the Spurs soon. Like, I'm going to have trouble in that game because you've got David Robinson and you've got Dennis Rodman, which is going to slow me down on the interior, which exploits my weakness we talked about earlier. I'm going to have to really know how to use, you know, Penny and Nick Anderson a lot better. 100%. Oh, by the way, the Celtics game yeah. that he's talking about. So, I won that game by about 30 um, at the end, we both kind of pulled away late. And I want to say in those games, but you know, when, when each of us was using the Celtics, but that had some of the best highlights of the season, your D Brown dunk on Sean Kemp is oh, yeah. easily a top 10 play. That was ridiculous. You also threw another lob to him. That was absolutely excellent. And then I got you back too, and, and dunked on D Brown with Sean Kemp, which should be a lot easier. He's six ten, and D Brown was six one, but I did yep. that on the other end a couple plays later. But, um, you know, even some of the games where it was 20 or 30 points decided, there were just some great highlights. And that's what, that's what has made a lot of this really fun. Like, I do think 2K because has done a good job of, of assigning some dunk packages to these guys, like a D Brown, or, you know, like Sean Kemp looks like Sean Kemp when he's dunking. Dominique looks like Dominique. Yeah, the, those dunk packages and things that have made those guys feel a lot more like they were 30 years ago has I mean, that's what's made those highlights a ton of fun. But I also think that's a weakness in some aspects that the games today don't have that they did 30 years ago. So as an example, you know, we were talking about like the, the Bulls versus Lakers game. You knew some of those, you know, legends 
Like Bird, you would go down to the post, and he was like the only guy that did a fadeaway. Not that we need a modern-day game where only one guy can do that, but using those old moves like that was just a ton of fun. And that would be one thing I'd love to see 2K bring back in for some of those players. Don't want to call it a cheat. Don't want to do any of that, but yeah. Um, it does. It does feel like there's a little bit of lack of. Yeah, it does feel like there's a little bit of lack of signature style at times. I can agree with that. Like it would be neat if you could come down with, let's say, a Tim Hardaway, because he's Tim Hardaway, and do his killer crossover, without necessarily having to be amazing at the sticks. But you don't want it to be a, hey, I don't need to be good at the game move, but he could kind of do it and would be a maybe a little bit of a cheat or boost. Like I don't want to take away from. Him, but that's just one idea. Something like that. Yeah, like the NBA Fast Break 98 thing that I shared, where they have the with a, with a move only he can make. Like, yeah, you go down the floor and, and you you post up Akeem Olajuwon, and he is the only one when you push a certain button or combination that does that Olajuwon shimmy shake, and yeah, you know, hits a fadeaway or something like that. Like those were some of the special touches in the older games. And Andrew, you and I have talked about that quite a bit. Yeah, well, even go-to moves in Live 08 through 10 were kind of like that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and it's unbelievable, too. I'll say again that NBA Live 10 had size-ups, dribbles, and then all of a sudden Live 14 through 19 had no size-up dribble. Just wild that they decided to go backwards. Yeah, so no, but I'd say some of my favorite games of the season um, was my first game of the season against the Warriors. A lot of good highlights in that one. I love the way that you used Chris Mullen. Had some fast break dunks. It's pretty well. Um, I kind of asserted my all-around dominance in that game. I think uh, with that Supersonics team, I think I had seven people in the double figures in yeah. that game. Um, that's one of my favorites. Um, the one you beat me with the Bucks. I, you were using the Magic. I was using the Bucks. What? It was a chess match, basically, from tip-off till the end of the game. And... I was going at you with Glenn Robinson. You were trying to switch bigger people onto Glenn Robinson. I couldn't do anything with Shaq. He was making Alton Lister look absolutely terrible. Um, I think that's one of my favorite games of the season. Uh, the Hornets game where you absolutely were battling with Alonzo Mourning uh, with Shaq, but you destroyed me with Penny. I think Penny had 45 points in that game. Yep. Uh, I was trying to switch different people on Penny and I couldn't do anything with him. Um, but I did a lot of damage with Larry Johnson and he had a lot of Larry Johnson looking dunks. So yeah, those are some of my favorite ones. Um, think about that. We've already had so we've created so many memories with the season already and we're not even 10 games in. So that's pretty, <laughs> so, pretty amazing. Um, here's what's funny. Yeah. We talk about it all the time, Andrew. We're just like, are we really doing this? Like, this is amazing. It, it really, it really is. And and you brought it up, Ken, and and Derek and I. You know, you you and I have talked about it uh, a lot on the show uh, when we've been talking about the season and recapping it. Is is playing with the teams you wouldn't normally play with back in the day. Like you play with your favorite team. You might play with a another top team that's got some interesting stars. But you really had to go out of your way to play with in the mid nineties, for example, the Clippers. You probably weren't going to be playing with them as much. Uh, unless you wanted to specifically challenge yourself to try and beat a top team with a, a with a, a lower rated one, so yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the great thing about your your season is that you get to experience these different teams and and players, and it's all kinds of nostalgia, as, as you said, and as we've said before. But being able to take those teams that you wouldn't normally play with, challenge yourself to find out the best way to to play with them, and, and try to win with a team that 
is that is underpowered and, and underpowered because that's how they were in real life. But of course, as we all know, in the NBA, uh, anything can happen on any given night. We we have seen in seasons where the the eventual champion has won sixty games and dominated the playoffs has a horrible loss to a lottery-bound team at some point during the regular season. It happens. So it's realistic. It's it's a challenge to try and pull it off in games. So And, and this gives you the opportunity to do that. So that, that's the really cool thing about this. Uh, about this. And, and I think that, Derek, we've had the same thing with trying to make some of those odd makeshift teams, retro teams, in Live 10 as well, like the, uh, the 2002 Mavericks and Clippers, you know, that being a classic game, one of my favorites that we've played, you and I. But taking those teams that didn't, or well, the Mavericks were pretty good that year, the Clippers weren't. Um, yeah, so, so taking some of those teams that you wouldn't normally play with, but they've still got something interesting about them. Or even, even if they don't, even if they were complete crap. But that is the challenge. And that's a very cool thing that, that I see you doing uh, throughout the season with this. Ken would agree. There's something yep. special about being in a game with a completely underwhelming team against a really good team. So yeah, I would say that a couple of my favorite games of the season were actually not even me using the Supersonics. It was me using the 76ers and the Kings. Um, two underwhelming teams in comparison to the 94-95 Orlando Magic. So like with the Sixers, I had Dana Barris, Jeff Malone, and Clarence Weatherspoon. And with the Kings, it was Mitch Richmond, Olden Polonese, and Lionel Simmons. There is something special about taking down a Titan taking down one of the top teams. And I think that's one of the things Ken is probably looking forward to the most. <laughs> and my opinion is yep. when he gives me my first loss with the Supersonics, I bet you almost want it to be a weaker team. Oh yeah, for sure. You're the underdog. You've earned it a little harder. You've totally overperformed, right? So part of it is what I've learned after those two losses is because I was texting you before we played that Kings game. Like I was like, just, you know, Shaq's going to have 50. I'm going to destroy you because I was mad. I was mad at whatever game happened before that. And I know that just made you probably 10 times more focused and ready. And then I came in going, I just need to slow down Mitch Richmond and I'm good. Just dump the ball to Shaq and I'll be fine. Well, none of that worked. I was down bad really quick in that game and then of course i just became more frustrated and i think you just became even more focused because you were like hey i wonder if i can win by 50 because i'll never live that one down (laughs) i will i will say though that you put it together in the second half and you made more of a game of it so um you definitely settled down but isn't that funny how it worked because that's kind of how it is in real life i I remember playing like a finals game in uh, in one of our men's leagues we it felt like all of the players on our team came out with add Right. Like where where we come out and we're throwing errant passes, we're rushing shots, we're making stupid turnovers on defense. We're just closing out like mindlessly and people are getting to the rim. And then all of a sudden, after like five or six or seven minutes, we, we kind of all put it together mentally and we settle down yeah. and we start playing our game. So it's funny how your experiences on the real life hardwood can also take place on the virtual hardwood. And I think that's happened multiple times during the season with us. Yep. And this is, this mod is set up so well that you can't do that because you'll just get smoked because the computer's playing intelligently, even when we don't have the ball, but you know, you and I are pretty synced in this game too, to be honest. So we're just going to exploit it that much more. You know, part of the way that you beat me is just, hey, you move the ball a little bit better around the perimeter because I'm trying to do a stupid errant double team when I shouldn't. 
and your guy is in the NBA and he's a role player, but he's in the NBA and he's going to make a wide open 16 footer all day. Like that should happen. And simple enough. That's part of the way you're beating me is just, you'll get 10, 15 points of just me having a mental lapse. Well, you can't do that against a good opponent. You can't do that in the NBA. You'll, you'll get beat with it. Right. So that's, what's part of the fun is just coming up with that strategy and, you know, we got that upcoming game and I'm already going, I know what my team's weakness is. How is, you know, how can I keep Derek, you know, Derek from exploiting it? You know, and it's like Larry Johnson. He's good. He's not a good matchup against Kemp. And that's part of the downfall of the game is, you know, Kemp is so much taller, right? So he's got an advantage against Johnson in the post. So I can still score in the post, but I'm going to have to shoot fadeaways. I can't do my power moves. You know, so sitting there thinking of that in a strategy right away, but it's easy to run into the game and go, I'll just do what I always do. But, you know, Kemp will start blocking the shots. So trying to learn to adjust team by team, that has definitely been a fun part of it. Hey, let's not forget the uh, that 76ers game. You know, talk about a flaw with the game. What's the one thing that you've, you know, you and I complain about is 2K has not figured out how to, how to handle height correctly, right? Because Sean Bradley. So Sean Bradley, completely, nine yeah. Yeah, Sean, I mean, Shaq overpowered. still has a big game. Yeah, and the, well, no, I said this on the last podcast. I said the game that the, the first game that I think you could beat me with the first team you could beat me with and give me my first loss of the season is actually an upcoming game where I play against the bullets and I am scared to death. I'm uh, like, I'm, I'm shaking Ken, but no, like George Mirasan, Chris Weber and Juwan Howard. What am I going to do about that? If I got killed by Elmore Spencer and Eric, Riley, yeah. what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do with George Mirasan's seven foot seven height and his wingspan and what am I going to do about Chris Weber down there and the combination of those three? Like, that is going to be a nightmare for me. Like, that could be the best team that you've used against me in a video game with these settings. That's probably the best team that you're going to use against me so far. And, you know, that's like the one weakness of the Sonics is, you know, you've got Bill Cartwright and Sam Perkins as your big man. Right. But you've got Kemp right there as kind of an anchor. So now it's just that's the part where you and I are like pausing the game, figuring out strategy that's been enjoyable and just figuring out how to, you know, just like a regular NBA team would like, all right, this should be so-and-so's big night because it's a weak matchup. And if that doesn't happen, somebody else better step up or we're in trouble. All right. How many times have I beat up Dennis Scott in the post this season? Uh, <laughs> quite a bit with bigger exactly. forwards because there were forwards back at the time um i wanted to ask you too um before we wrap up you know nba 2k 23 is kind of right around the corner it's only you know a few months away and whatnot and we're going to start the, the preview season what do you want to see out of nba 2k 23 for the pc and what would get you to make the switch from 2k 19 with that pc version oh so for me personally um i would want to see them make the game more easily moddable you know other video games do it um you know the game will come installed with like a modded folder already like hey make the game you know more enhanced to you that would be the first thing and be able to share that content because people are going to do it anyway i get they don't want to charles barkley in the game but you know like these old you know uniforms and courts you can already go in and customize all that stuff in the game anyway so why not make it easier for the user to do you can go into uh, like the WWE 2K series and customize arenas and stuff. Why can't I customize arena in this? That'd be fun. So right, I would love to see my right, Ken. That's the thing. Yeah. They allow they should allow it in offline roster making. I agree because the, the mechanics are there. Exactly, it's all there. The tools are pretty much right there too. 
you know, you're not going to be able to necessarily edit faces as well as what you could using computer programs, but, you know, they could they could allow more like, you know, the wrestling games do because they've got all kinds of stuff. So I think just expanding on some of that to make, you know, and however you play the game at that point, whether you want to play my league or, you know, my career or whatever, that would make it a more fun element. Make the gameplay actual gameplay so it's fun out of the box and we don't have to spend days or weeks trying to adjust sliders to make it, you know, feel that way. Those would be two of my big ones. I would love to see them expand current features without killing it. But for example, look at where my career was on 2K14 versus where it is today. You almost, It's like you're playing a basketball game, but you're also playing The Sims at the same time. You've oh, got to do all these absolutely. extra things just yeah. to get on the court. Can you dial that back? You know, I like playing my league, but I don't want to have a my GM, you know, detail of it necessarily. So let me customize that online experience. Like in my career, maybe you don't have to go do all that extra stuff. Those would be some big changes. The other thing I'd love to see them do is do some experimental stuff with kind of the retro video game feel. You know, this generation is never going to know some of the things that we grew up with. So as an example, we talked about those signature animations. There's some ideas there. But like, you know, Shaq broke backboards in the NBA in the 90s. I don't know if people, you know, a lot of people might not be aware of that. Now, through modern day technology, you probably can't do it anymore. But it would sure be fun if you were playing a retro season and just guy like him occasionally ripped the, you know, ripped the backboard apart again. You used to be able to do that in old video games all the time. And that would just be a fun feature you could turn off or turn on. Hey, allow a video game to, you know, allow the backboard to be broken in the video game. If you don't ever want to have that happen, just turn that setting off. I was telling uh, Andrew earlier, I love the old uh, Dr. J versus Bird. Uh, what was that on like the Commodore 64 where you'd break the backboard and the janitor would come out and yell at you. You know, I don't know that we need the janitor to come out and yell at you on this, but something to that effect. You know, the other thing I'd still like to see is can you have your coach argue and get a technical, but you know, when you do that, it gives your team a boost. So kind of like a little bit of an X factor, you know, you don't want to abuse it so much, you know, and you know, it has to be a right situation. You don't do it when you're up 20 points because maybe it's a negative boost or something like that. But I think if used correctly, there could be some subtle things like that that just add little features to the gameplay. Speaking of the NBA, whether they will approve it or not, that, that's always been the issue with the uh, the NBA license. Ah, uh, good point. I hadn't thought of that. And they don't want to do what was happening with, you know, Rasheed Wallace years ago where, yeah. or, or, you know, Ron Artest, right? They don't want that image. They, they don't. But, so, but the, I mean, the, all that stuff, like the fun things like, and, and Derek, you brought it up, playing Lakers versus Celtics, you know, the throwing the debris onto the court out of anger and things like that. Those little touches that that we loved that because there was just it was cool to see them, especially when they were kind of rare as well. And, and breaking the backboard in uh, NBA Gem on Fire Edition, like the original, it, it's just that little thing that it, ha- it happens fairly frequently, but not every single game. And you ha- kind of have to get the right amount of dunks and whatnot. So little touches like that uh, go a long way. And, and if they could do those throwbacks and, and have those... Those, those features i think it'd be a fantastic idea it's like like so many things unfortunately it does come down to does it make money you know is, is it going to uh, sell the game is it going to can we monetize it and unfortunately if it if it if the answer is no then it doesn't become a priority but uh, i'm absolutely a fan of, of that idea uh, a fan of bringing those uh, rebranding tools into the roster editing as well and, and you bring up the modded folder having that support uh, out of the box or you know by default you know inbuilt shall we say since uh, 
PC versions are totally digital now. But th- that is so important. It's something we had a long time ago. In fact, I mentioned bringing custom art in in Live 2003 because that's when it came in called custom art and was very uh, detailed what we could do. But that idea of a, a custom file folder actually goes back to at least Live 2000. Uh, Derek, you know, I, I whipped up something quick for you uh, playing Live 2000 this week and uh, or over the weekend. Uh, and yet being able to use that uh, that default modded folder without any plugins, how good was that? Oh, I want to make something make a point really quick there's actually going to be a play maybe in the top 10 this week from nba live 2000 where julia serving has one of his signature dunks that happened so i had never seen it in that game but it is a sweet dunk so be on the lookout for that um coach k college basketball you could break the backboard so they had features like that back back then um and of course coach k college basketball was basically the college version of nba live 96 it's like same game play same graphics I love that game. We spent a ton of time on it. Um, but, you know, you talk about those little things like so kids, you know, can get immersed in the retro content. You know what we talked about on prior podcast, retro filters, black and white for using some of the teams that played in black and white. Um, you know, the removal of the three point line, an option to remove it for yep. the older teams um, that would make retro modding easier and for those on console who can't mod it would allow them to get kind of a moddable experience if you really think about it so there's so many different things that i feel like they could do andrew what would make rules. you yeah exactly we've talked about that it didn't we Andrew? retro rules you know for each era maybe 90 set automatically in the game oh definitely yeah set, be fantastic 2000. what andrew would make you you know, you're playing NBA 2K14, my career right now. What would make you switch and play my career on NBA 2K23 or spend more time with the newest title than you are with retro titles? As far as my career is concerned, I'd want more of an NBA-focused experience. I'd love to have an offline version of it. And there is an advantage to having that connected experience in so much as that you can level up a player no matter which mode you play. Because when they first started bringing in the online uh, online team play modes to my career, you couldn't earn badge progress in online play, which was ridiculous. Discrepancies like that where you, your, your progress wouldn't be made if you were online or offline or whatever. So to be able to make progress to that player and not have to level them up separately, there's a lot of value in that. But if you want to stick to one mode or the other, and, and this is important for online play as well, because online players are kind of forced into the NBA side of my career, which they're not interested in, just to level up their player, just to grind. So either way, you're getting to... You have to play something that you're not interested in. And you have to play a story that, from what I've heard, the 2K22 story, pretty awful. One of the worst, from what I've heard. Even even worse than Be Fresh. People miss the days of Be Fresh. That's how awful it is, from, from what I've heard of it. Um, I, I, I haven't played it myself. I just couldn't get that far into 2K22. So... Having that separation, if possible, and, and that focus on the NBA side of things and being able to ignore the city, not have to ever go into the city or the neighborhood if you don't want to, that is important. But for me, it's the gameplay. I'm enjoying 2K14's gameplay so much more than 2K22. So if you get that, that looser gameplay and that better feeling on the sticks, then I'm going to enjoy that gameplay a lot more. I'm going to play 2 k 23 Probably more, I'd be more interested in going back to my NBA at this point than going through the uh, uh, my career again because my career, I just don't see them, you know, realistically cutting down on the grinding of the microtransactions. So I think that mode is probably 
I won't say dead to me, but certainly a lower priority than going back to the franchise experience in future games. But to get me to play the latest game, make the latest game fun to play on the sticks. That's what it comes down to. But but certainly all that other stuff is important with the customization and whatnot and on modding and, and getting the uh, the new gen or the, the PS5 X uh, Series X uh, version onto the PC is going to be a big thing moving forward. If, not, if for no other reason that it, it's more likely that the PC version isn't going to be dropped when the old consoles are. So that's important to get that uh, that port on there. But the gameplay, that, that's my big hang-up, because I, I like other stuff with my MBA and, and even my team, I like stuff that they're doing it with this year, and, and my career, I'd even give it a look and, and, and see if I could grind my way through it. But the gameplay has just been such a turn-off for me in 2K22 that uh, I'm, I'm playing 2K14, enough said. Nothing will be more important than the gameplay. Absolutely. The first impression, how it feels. The modes by are default. there. And, you know, the modes are there and they're right. deep. You know, so two mm-hmm. K's got a pretty good thing going with their modes. There are those quibbles there, and of course, the microtransactions, the recurrent revenue mechanics, are intrusive in many ways. But you can you can get around that. You can if you are willing to grind, if you are willing to uh, to maximize the ways to, to grind for VC, or indeed if you are playing the offline. Uh, aspect of those modes the single player modes or uh, or my nba whatever then you can avoid that altogether pretty much and or at least play at your own pace but if the gameplay is not up to scratch then uh yeah i just can't stay I, there's no reason to play those modes yeah ken would ken would agree with us that um you shouldn't have to be fighting all of these gameplay issues all the time with the default settings where you feel like all you're doing is trying to dodge game issues instead of playing basketball and that's how the games kind of feel like by default um, recently, and you also shouldn't have to spend hours upon hours doing your own tweaks to the rosters, attributes, tendencies, signatures, and you know creating custom slider sl- sets just to make the game fun. Because in my opinion, that's a huge red flag. Yeah, totally. I think being able to jump in and have some playable experience. You know, some people want to get really into the weeds on my career, which is awesome. I think if I were to jump into my career, I just want to jump in and start playing it. I don't want to spend 45 minutes, like to Andrew's point, going through the street and going through some of the story mode. But that is part of the experience, right? So I think trying to be able to jump into some of those things, like a play now feature of it, would be nice to have. Anything like that is helpful. Sadly, we'll probably never get rid of all these microtransactions, though. I mean, it's been normalized at this point that you, you see people defending them. You say, oh, if you want to play a game where you can unlock things without paying for it, uh, go play a game from 2003, old head, and I'm thinking, this isn't really a burn. This is, you, you aren't really owning me by saying, go play these old games with, without microtransactions. You're, you're saying that, I'm, that you're willing to be uh, screwed over by them. I, I know that we can let our nostalgia run away with us, and, and back in my day, everything was perfect. And no, it certainly wasn't. But something like that, that you get a game for a set price, and all that content is there, and it's, it's a lot of content, and you can unlock it without paying anything extra... I don't see any way that you can't hear that and think, wow, that is better. We, we certainly went in the wrong direction with that. I, I wish it was more like that. You know, why are we justifying it? I, I know we have to justify that everything is the latest and greatest, but that is a, definitely a, a situation where games have not improved. They, they've gone in a, a very undesirable direction. And, and people bring up arcades and, you know, being the, the, uh, the quarter suckers and whatever of, the, uh, of arcade machines. But you, you knew what you were getting, a turn on the machine. You know, you, you, once you put that in there, you got the turn, and if you were good enough to play, in some games you could keep playing until your lives or continues run out. So there's a difference, and it's 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 just a shame that that stuff is so intrusive, and 
you know, Derek, we've said it before. We know it's a business. We know there's that side of game development. We know that that it is, you know, that this is the basis of business to to make money, and that's 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 important to to pay the costs of, de- of developing these games and the people who develop them. But there's just so much money going to the pockets of suits that have no creativity, no good input into the games, and a lot of these mechanics that if they are designed around recurrent revenue, then the game design is weaker as a, as a result because to you you can and and that's why I always say it that even if it's uh, technically optional to pay they want you to pay so the design is going to push you in that direction and it's going to be less entertaining if you don't uh so it, we're seeing the, we're seeing it there and that's why my career is just so unappealing in the new games and and I thought I was burned out and done with the mode and it's I'm, I'm having a blast with it in 2K14 which just goes to show it's not the the concept it is the way that concept is executed you know what I would say to those kids? I would say, I would say, go spend your hundred plus dollars extra over the top price of the game, and buy your Crocs, get on your skateboard, and leave me the hell alone. Like <laughs> if you got, if you want to go, if you want to go spend all of this extra money over the top of the top, um, the game price, and buy all this non basketball stuff, and you know, buy your way through progress, and these the game kind of forces you to, and you're gonna stand up for that in a basketball video game that's marketed as a basketball simulate um you know simulation title then just leave me alone see like no, I, I like i have a right to criticize that stuff see i was going to say that you would say to them uh, go touch grass um I, I thought that was what you were leading up to but uh not not maybe I'm not that old yet. Maybe, maybe maybe in a decade or so i'll start using stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but to Derek's point earlier the game's got to be fun right away you're a business you want to make money i don't have that problem it's I would, but I'm not going to go spend my money if the game's not fun. Exactly. You know, it's Hollywood is in the, is in the business of making movies, but we don't want to go and see movies that suck usually. Exactly. Yeah. the The, the idea that uh, the the fact that it's business uh, justifies making a subpar product. I mean, good business is making a great product that people want to buy and and spend money on. To my mind, but of course, it is very successful as it is especially being the only game in town. And again, that's why, as we've said so many times before, Ken, Derek and I on this show, that we want to see NBA Live come back into the space. We know it struggles. We know the uphill battle it has. But the importance of choice, and you grew up with it as we did, having all those different games on the market. You know, I felt that NBA Live was the most consistent game through to at least maybe the mid-2000s and coming out on the most platforms and having the PC release and having all the modding that we did in our community. That made it so strong. Yeah, but there was, but there were other games too. That, and, and you know, you played was I believe NBA in the Zone was what which led to the punch up with your uh, <laughs> the, the pushing and shoving with your friend. You know, all, all those all those other games. You know, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the Zone and and the early two Ks and and sh- and shootout and, and all the the other series that were throwing their hat into the ring. And some were better than others, and some didn't come out every year. But there were the, those options, and if nothing else, we had live and two K being viable options for a few years there in the early two thousands at least. Two K was starting to build momentum and do some good things, and live was had a couple of rough years, but then it came back really strong in those uh, early to mid two thousands as well. After two thousand one, two thousand two had a, a few of their issues, although they are very fun games and uh, looking back quite quite good, maybe better than we uh, gave them credit for at the time. But uh, competition is so important in the space. We've seen what that lack of competition does, so we'd love to see it. Uh, as I said last week, I'm not banking on it. I, I'm, I'm, I want to see more something more concrete before I get really excited about a comeback for live or a EA college basketball game as well. But it's so important to have those options in the space. And I know we've said a lot, but 
it's absolutely true and the proof is in the pudding as far as what one game having a virtual monopoly over the the genre has done well yeah look at madden football exactly you know yeah that's dominated the market space for 20 years and live could certainly make a comeback because somehow they lost the 2k and you know 2k came around and took that took that crown i think at some point live could make a comeback it's certainly an uphill battle to your point it's not gonna be easy but I think it could be done. And I think one of the avenues where they could come in and do that with would actually be a college basketball release because that would get a, a whole slew of buyers in to come in and play it for a totally different experience. And then you slip the NBA one in right after it. And then you do what you used to be able to do where you could import and export you know, your college guys into the NBA. I'd do that. You know, I don't know if other people would or not, but you could do it with a my career player. Definitely, definitely. And look, they've also, they've also got the rights to NBA Jam. Bring that back. I mean, that they, those, those Jam games they did, 20, Jam 2010 on Fire Edition, great games on Fire Edition, arguably the best game in the series, certainly one of the best arcade games ever made, to my mind. Uh, they've still got that yep. IP. You can bring that back. Even if you do an updated version with better graphics of on Fire Edition, you know, that's, and you're still building it with that same gameplay, that's going to hold up in 2022. And if you just redo the... Uh, you know, you do something new for the uh, the campaign mode. You bring in more challenges. You obviously update the rosters. You get some legends in there. Uh, you, maybe you do add create a player, which they wanted to do, but they had to cut from on fire edition, unfortunately, because they ran out of time uh, to do that in the space of a year. Uh, so you can add some of the things like that. But even if you just bring it back, pretty much as it was, but updated and some new new content, and, and maybe you have some live challenges because everything's got to be live service these days. And and there's value in that, obviously. And you push through roster updates as they were doing. You bring that back and people will buy that because that is an alternative. The arcade space is an alternative as well. That or Street. Uh, they try, They kind of tried to bring back Street with Live 19 with some of the live events. but And of course the one and the focus on not the streets. The it's not the same. No, it, it's it's very much, I've said it before, it's in a game without identity. It, try, it kind of tried to be Live and Street but wasn't good enough in either one to really satisfy either fan base. And, and that was the mistake, but... Yeah, I've I've gone about I've gone on about that at length, but that's I, I maintain that it's the big mistake they made with Live Nineteen, and probably why they didn't move the needle and, and why it's been on a hiatus for the last few years. And it's a shame. Let's yep. let's pump the brakes on bringing up on NBA Jam on Fire Edition because I think Stildo is still punching the air right now about losing to me in the finals. <laughs> oh man, oh, I forgot I forgot so about that. Deal. Yes, that 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 was you guys in the in the in the finals there. Yeah, yeah, that that was some of the best video game. That whole tournament was one of the most enjoyable things for me. And uh, almost put together an unbelievable comeback to win that, too. But, you scared the hell out of me. That Larry Bird game winner facing elimination um, had me sweating. And the level of screaming from Ken when he hit that shot. <laughs> almost, like, I almost had to go out and buy a new phone. I almost broke it. He was, like, <laughs> top of his lungs yelling. Um, because we were on the phone through that whole series, but man, that game we had, I think it was the elimination game. Where but your reaction before it happened, because you saw it coming, and, and your words were, oh no. And then pulled up and hit it. <laughs> hit it. But no, my favorite moment might have been the entire half of basketball where we didn't say one word because yeah. we were so into the action. It was so intense. And both of us were trying so hard to win, and we knew it was an important game. So we didn't even say anything until the final buzzer. That is when you know that it's getting really, uh, really serious. But you know, and, and in the you know, just be really serious about this for a moment. 
to do a, a tournament, obviously Parsec is, is fantastic. We we bring it up so many uh, times, so often on the show because it's uh, become a big part of our basketball gaming. But what would really heighten the parabola is if we did a tournament with Incredi Basketball. We're not doing a tournament on that terrible game. Is, is, that, but... is, is that because you don't own it, Derek? Or is it because... Uh... <laughs> the game makes NBA 2K22 default gameplay look like the best basketball video game ever made. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, I don't think anybody would really have fun in that tournament. We might have a few laughs. Um, Ken, actually, um, before we uh, let you go here, what's the next game that you would like to see us have a tournament on? Oh, man. So a couple come to mind. I'd love to do like one of the old like Bulls versus Lakers or Lakers versus Celtics, one of those. I think one of the other ones would be probably one of those mid-90 games, maybe like a live 95. That would be a fun one. Just because that's one that you can kind of pick up and play. Um, and then maybe like live 2002, 2003, somewhere in there. I think that'd be a fun one too. I think Andrew would love all of those. Well, 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 you, well, you, you know, you say, you, say, you say Live 95, pick up and play. But Derek, we we played that playoff game in uh, Live 95 on Super Nintendo over Parsec. And man, th- thank, uh, you know, thank goodness for Steve Kerr coming in and saving us at the end there. We, uh, yeah, Andrew and I were down by like 12 or 11 or something on the same team against the computer. And Andrew's like, all right, it's Kerr time. And he brings in Steve Kerr and Steve Kerr drops like, I don't know, six threes in a row or something like that. And then we end up winning the game in a minute, Um, in the final minute. Okay. So still Ken, yeah, I know this has been a long show, but I wanted to bring this up. So Mitch Richmond is going to be part of this. I'm sorry. You're going to have to relive it, but I'm doing an NLSC greatest performances series for players that have great games. So we're going to be doing like the, that's why it's important to show the stats at the end too. Like the highlights of Mitch Richmond's 42 point 10 assist game against you, your penny game of scoring like 45 or 46 points. You know, if we play one of those older games, like if Steve Kerr goes off, he could be part of that video series and it will be a great way for us to preserve those great performances. But man, I wish we had that full recording of Steve Kerr going off because he could be one of those greatest performances. <laughs> that's So that's the other fun of those old games or some of those almost old uh, hack, if you will. I think I mentioned this the last time on a podcast. I forget what game it was in the mid-90s. It was around 93 or 4, but it was Pete Chilcutt. You could put him in. I think it was Tecmo, uh, NBA Tecmo Super Basketball, whatever that one was, on the Sega. But you could put Pete Chilcutt in, and he would just torch you from a certain spot on the floor. But nobody else could. So just you know, finding a gem like that was always uh, fun. And then, of course, you know, trying to abuse it against a friend and trying to stop it if somebody else is using them. Video game legends. How many times have we talked about that, Andrew? Alonzo G, Jumpin' Joe Alexander, um, yeah. Walter Mer- Pat Garrity, um, those guys. Uh, video game Kirk Heinrich, Dan Dickow. Like, those guys are like video game legends. And um, it will be cool to be able to preserve a lot of those performances by uploading videos to the YouTube, uh, the NLSE YouTube. No, 100%. That's great you're doing that. Yeah. No, it, it's... Uh... That that has been the best part about our gaming over the past twelve months is is recording that and, and being able to share that with people. Because I mean, obviously, we are not the first people to to do that. That that video video creation, content creation is uh, very old indeed, and and streaming whether it's streaming or post produced videos. But uh, that is something that we've branched out more into in recent years with the MLSC. With you know, since you came on board, Derek, and uh, you know, it's it just been so much fun to uh, to do that to and to share those moments and to like like you said Ken you know it's 
it's bringing back this uh, this this essence of childhood and this this fun of gaming because and for me that was important because for so long i've and i've mentioned it uh, in recent articles but the and on the podcast but not just spending time with basketball games which i've obviously done a lot of over the years in recent years as well but truly enjoying them and having fun with them which is not to say that i haven't had fun in years but to to really free myself of the grinding and and that kind of culture that's been cultivated in the more recent games with my career whether it's my career playing parsec games uh, going back and playing some my gm or a franchise or dusting off an old franchise game or just a few exhibition games here and there and, and of course playing road trip with derek uh just enjoying basketball gaming as i as i've done and you know i, I wrote about uh, mentoring terry hansen this this past week in monday tip off uh, which has been a big part of year three in my career and and kind of indulging the imagination of and, and why did he drop to 30th and and you know him kind of mirroring my journey with my career and he's trying to prove people wrong as i was trying to do with my character in the first year of uh of my career and now i'm the the veteran and the two-time champion and mvp taking him under, under my wing and uh trying to help him become a star for us as well and uh, form a big three with myself and mellow on the team that imagination and the storytelling that's beyond what the game is presenting to you um, is just such a great part of those modes but if nothing else just there's, there's just that fun on the sticks and and you know we're in our 30s and 40s and whatnot uh but but enjoying that and you know we're taking care of our other business but when we have our downtime we want to play those basketball games just having a blast with them not not buying crocs not grinding not doing anything that's not fun or or, or uh you know buying into the uh the recurrent revenue uh nonsense but uh, but just having fun on the virtual hardware and that's why i encourage everybody to do if you're not having fun uh seek out ways to uh, to enjoy basketball gaming so yeah that's uh, i guess brought us to the end of the show uh ken thanks for coming on again and hopefully have you on soon and always uh, you know derek's gonna keep us up to date with what you're doing um but good to get you on here as well so that you can uh, trash talk him a bit and you know it's, it's not one-sided then you, you get to have your say you get to have your rebuttal but uh, thanks for coming on and thanks for all the great work you're doing with the uh with the mods as well you you and the team and derek obviously part of that and, and lady culture and sticky fingers and and a shout out to cool breeze for those great uh, screenshots that he posts in the forum as well playing those mods i know how much he loves them and everybody is but uh you know congratulations again on that uh, mod and uh yeah please please keep that fantastic work coming yeah awesome well thanks again for having me on the show really appreciate it and derek i'll uh, be trash talking to you again soon i'm sure shout out to the team that's been helping me uh, make this mod so successful so thank you yeah, I'll see you on the virtual hardwood, Ken, and I'm I'm really sorry that you're not going to make the playoffs, but we'll, you know, help you buy a lot of tissues. Let's face it. <laughs> Man, shots fired. Hashtag shots fired, everyone. We're here well, on the Aussie podcast. Maybe I'll hang on to some of the tissues I was about to mail to your house, just in case I need to. <laughs> that way you don't use all of them. Yeah, yeah. you, you guys really do need to be, to be mic'd up for these games. I, I'm just putting it out there. We've talked about that. We might do some, especially once playoff time gets near. We, uh, we may have to even live stream a couple of these. We've talked about doing that. That might be fun. But check out uh, Neon and Butch Gaming. But uh, speaking of promotion, of course, the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC. We're also on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, just to name a few. And of course, you can tune in on the NLSC YouTube channel. And we do want to connect with you on social media. So Derek, as always, I'll chuck it over to you first to read off your socials. Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at deeper 384 also at D4-3G. Um, I'm also on YouTube, d for free and on the NLSC forums as a team member, d for free I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Facebook and Twitter at the NLSC. 
We are NLSC Basketball on Instagram. Our aforementioned YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week. So thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>